1: So, you own your own business.
0: Got small ambitions for this business? Of course, you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course, you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions.
1: If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products,
0: the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call
1: clickgranger.com
2: or stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.
1: Welcome to a special edition of the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. Clay Lang alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. James just had a, a new Farm Futures go up on the site looking at uh, players he saw in the Arizona Fall League. We were both down there last week, James. Big shout out to Brent Hershey, all the guys at Baseball HQ at First Pitch Arizona. A great time, but actually seeing a lot of these prospects live. And in person, especially right down almost at field level, uh, was really the highlight of the trip for me.
2: Highlight of the trip for me was probably the food, but oh yeah, well, Little uh, Miss, uh, Little Miss Barbecue, yeah. yeah uh, no, the baseball was great too. Uh, <laughs> not a not a ton of talent on the field for us when we were down there, but still some some relevant names for sure.
1: Yeah, Little Miss Barbecue was easy eighty, really. Uh, a lot of plus tools across the board with that food. Uh, excellent place. Had to wait in line for an hour and a half, but well worth it. Where where there was smoke,
2: there was more smoke. And, there was a and lot of smoke. Mess.
1: Well, you were right about the, the quality of of talent down there. Certainly some good players, but uh, compared to last year and in past years, uh, not a ton of standouts. And that yeah. was kind of the theme. But the, there was there
2: was talent off the field, but on the field, <laughs> there, it was it was kind of. You know, a lot of a lot of forty fives and fifties out there.
1: Again, definitely be sure to check out James's latest farm futures going into detail. We're going to touch on a lot of those players you wrote about. Uh, if you don't have a Rotowire subscription? Get ten days for free. Going to Rotowire dot com slash pod. No strings attached. No credit card required. Biggest disappointment probably uh, was not seeing Alex Reyes of the St. Louis Cardinals. Pitched the day before we got there. We expected him to pitch in the fall stars game started, but it was conspicuous by his absence. And it came out a couple days later that he'd actually been suspended for 50 games for testing positive for marijuana guy. I know you've been really high on for quite some time. Does this suspension, I mean, it impacts his ETA, maybe uh, some quite a bit possibly, but does it actually bump him down the prospect rankings in your eyes?
2: Uh, it, it dings him a bit in, in, the single season leagues, because I actually did think that he would have probably been up, uh, if not in the Cardinals rotation, possibly as their eighth inning guy, but you know, certainly in some capacity by, by maybe July mm-hmm. had, had it not been for this suspension. Uh, I don't know. Especially really.
1: with Lance Lynn undergoing Tommy John,
2: right? Yeah. I think it, it would have been, you know, he might've been a dark horse to kind of get that job very quickly, but, uh, you know the the smoke and weed thing i don't i don't really care about that uh, he he's actually at 21 years old he's younger than marcus stroman when when stroman uh got busted for for smoking pot before the start of the 2013 season and nobody i mean if i think people would throw around you know 60s and si- 70s on stroman's makeup so uh you know not a not a ding at all for me uh, just kind of a bummer that that's, that's a rule uh, in the <laughs> minor leagues when it's not a rule in the big leagues. But, uh, yeah, I think he's still, you know, I, I've been kind of tinkering a bit with the top 200 over the past month or so, and or just my personal top 200, not on the site. Uh, that's going to stay the same until it debuts uh, in the magazine. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's really kind of knocking on the door of the top 10 overall for, for Dynasty Leagues. As you said, where there's smoke, there's more smoke. And uh, when you're
1: throwing that kind of gas, you, you can you can enjoy a little gas, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Still, still a guy I really like. Disappointing not to see him, because among the arms, I mean, the arms weren't particularly great, and he would have been really pretty easily the standout had we seen uh-huh. him. But uh, we'll move on. Jerickson Profar. Not technically a prospect anymore, but really, we've talked before about how he should be viewed as a prospect, just given the extended layoff with that shoulder injury. Not playing the field at all in the fall league, but uh, especially in the Fall Stars game, looked really good. Walk, couple hits to start off the game. Impressed with, with uh, how he's swinging the bat, but until you see him throw, uh, how comfortable are you You know, looking at him in single season leagues for
2: 2016? I'm going to bump in uh, I forget if I have already or not, but I'm going to bump him out of my top 350. Uh, really kind of all hinges on what the Rangers do, hot stove wise. You know, I, I think that they they may just go into 2016 with Profar at AAA for most of the year. Like as crazy as that mm-hmm. sort of sounds, given where Profar was three years ago. It just doesn't make any sense for them unless they're unless they find like a deal that works to not play Andrews and Rugnet O'Dor every day up the middle there. And you're not gonna have Profar, I wouldn't think at least, sitting on the bench and playing, you know, getting a start at first base here and there, getting a start at second base here and there, D H maybe, like you want him playing every day, so mm-hmm. Uh, Triple-A probably is where he spends most of 2016.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I was doing a mock draft. Yeah, mock drafting in November for 2016. But doing a mock draft last night with Derek Van Riper, he actually picked Profar with his last pick. Single-season league. Threw this out there, which I hadn't considered. Apparently, a scout down there had kind of thrown it out there to him as a possibility. Profar could maybe play some center. And maybe the Shields takes on the fourth outfielder role, which maybe he's best suited for just given uh, his splits.
2: Yeah, I don't uh I don't really like the idea of that. I, I guess it's a possibility. To me Profar's arm would be ready to play center around when Lewis Brinson's gonna be ready to play center for them. <laughs> so I, I just don't really see that as as great a fit I definitely think Delano DeShields is short for that everyday job out there I don't think you should be drafting him expecting him to to be the everyday guy there all year for them but uh, I'd like to keep Profar's glove in the infield if at all possible so really it's it's not an ideal fit for the Rangers position wise but I, I think that he's best Best utilized up the middle for them in the infield.
1: Another guy we didn't get to see, he was shut down just before we got there. AJ Reed, who, given all the promotions this season, really kind of cleared out the minor leagues. Of course, an abundance of young talent in the major leagues, but this guy, really among the top prospects, not only in terms of talent, but proximity. There's a glaring hole at first base in Houston. Didn't get to see him. Uh, but are you still expecting that Reed could maybe be a guy who comes up, uh, maybe even April May, and has, has a big impact? Uh, maybe not Chris bryan esque, but uh, maybe the biggest impact of any rookie next year.
2: Yeah, I think he is definitely on the short list of guys. You know, I, I would I'd probably take Seager and Buxton and Mazzara over him for 2016. But he's he's definitely probably the next name on that list and. Not a guy who's going to really be blown up, I don't think, on another national prospect list just because he's a first baseman. But for fantasy, I think he's he's probably a top ten guy. So uh, bum, we didn't get to see him. It is that is a good thing to point out, though, that uh, the minor leagues it's it's not as talented as it was a year ago for for the obvious reasons there. But you know the the benefit of that is the big leagues are super flush with talent. Mm-hmm. So don't don't be looking at guys. Like Reed and and you know whoever else and projecting what guys did last year. I mean, it's just not the same group of players. Yeah, absolutely. It's.
1: I don't think we'll ever really see a year like that again. I didn't think we'd see a year like the Harper Trout year again. But in terms of overall quality, and number of excellent players, I think 2015 going to go down as kind of an unparalleled type of year in, in baseball. And we, you were talking about your prospect rankings. We just did top three fifties for 2016. And really, top 200 is just so stacked. Yeah, Even, like,
2: 150, it's amazing. It's so loaded. Mm-hmm. And there were guys that I might have ranked in my 50s or 60s that somebody else might have in their 30s or 40s. And, and, and you can see you it know, both ways. It's so, I mean, Kyle Schwarber, we, we talked about, like, he was the guy that kind of stood out to me at the just at the, at the Fall League just listening to other... Uh, industry experts talk and you and I I think we're probably the highest guys on Schwarber at the entire first pitch Arizona thing just based uh, just for 2016 because uh I know at least in my opinion I, I think 270 and 30 homers is kind of the realistic baseline for him if he if he stays healthy next year and yeah. he's going to be playing more than almost any other any catcher. catcher so Absolutely. I just I think there's definitely a case to take him in the top 25 and while You know, he didn't look great in left field, and there's certainly, uh, you know,
1: fears that maybe he uh, isn't great out there. Doesn't, you know, maybe playing time takes a bit of a hit. Just not having to hold up to that day to day grind behind the plate, I think, is pretty huge, too. And there's also concerns about the strikeouts. I'm such a believer in the hit tool that I think he can strike out close to that clip and still maintain a pretty high average. I think he's uh, really a pretty safe bat and, and probably a catcher. I have him ahead of Buster Posey. I think you did, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that it's time to make that
2: switch, put him ahead of Posey, because I think you're behind the eight ball if you're viewing it the other way. And the, the key thing to remember here is it's not it's not 25 homer power with Schwarber. It's 35, maybe 40 homer power in his in prime. In a great lineup, so, too. Yeah, he might be hitting second for them all year. So mm-hmm. it's not... It's not like a five homer gap between him and Posey. It's possibly like a fifteen, twenty homer gap. So completely uh, agree. I mean that that's where the big swing in, in value comes.
1: And as far as AJ Reed goes, getting back to him, we both ranked him in our top three fifty. He was sent home again. Really seemed like basically just you know, after a long season kind of rewarding him. Did hear mentions that maybe his knees were a little worn out. Not really too worried about that. And and we didn't get to see him, but this guy is, you know, almost 280
2: pounds but is he a better athlete than a lot of people think he is uh you know i i think he's he's just kind of your typical first baseman i i wouldn't be looking for anything other than homers rbis and batting average with him i mean he's he's just going to go out there hopefully he holds up over over a full big league season but uh he's a good enough athlete to mash, you know. <laughs> I think that that's that's really all I But he's not it, you
1: know, he's not really worried about becoming DH only. He he can play first.
2: Yeah. Capably. Yeah, well. and it especially in that organization the yeah. bar to clear to be the first baseman there defensively <laughs> isn't isn't all that high. Good point.
1: Another guy loved getting a look at him, especially down at the field level cuz the bat speed was was amazing. Clint Frazier, outfielder for the Indians in the fall league game. Looked like he was really, really forcing it. Uh, looked like he really wanted to just get a hold of one on national TV. But at the same time, I'm still pretty high on the kid. Uh, there, there was some, I know one of the guys we were with interviewed him on the field. Loved this quote about, you know, he he, uh, he knows he's going to strike out a lot. He's okay with that, but he's still going to go out and get his. Like the kid. What
2: are your impressions, Clint Frazier? Well, you know, probably what, like 70, 75 locks, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I, think I saw him, like, curling them in his hand he, a lot. When he was I, was, I took a few pictures uh, just because I wanted to, to tweet out, you know, how close we were to, to Clint. And there was one time when he took his batting helmet off and, like, you know, brushed back his hair and then put it back <laughs> on, and I was too slow on the draw. I really oh, wanted no. to get him with the helmet off. But, uh, yeah, it's – I'm, I'm kind of – sold on him making it as a above average everyday regular uh he's gonna be sort of an across the board contributor i think Mm -hmm. it it's sort of weird to say this but what really what like the most impressive thing i saw from him actually was when he uh just uh, obviously not called from the dugout but he bunted for a base hit on joan lopez who you know, if you're going through pitchers who it would probably be worth making them get out there and, and field, he seems like a guy that, uh, you know, kind of an erratic just person mm-hmm. in general, <laughs> like <laughs> not even just an erratic player, but uh, he, he lays a bunt down, Lopez goes and tries to do like a jump throw, uh, <laughs> sails it over the first baseman, and Frazier's on second base. So, uh, you know, just kind of a good good baseball IQ to kind of go with all those tools. So, mm-hmm. uh. Definitely like the steps he made in the, the K-rate department last year. And it, you know, definitely a, a guy who's maybe on the fringe of the top 25, but but certainly a top 30 guy going into next year.
1: play that stood out to me that he made, it wasn't at the play, but it was in the field. Played a ball off the wall and just th- the ability to read the ball and make it one-handed grab. And the arm looked pretty good, too, mm-hmm. from what I saw. So really like what I'm seeing. And, yeah, you mentioned it look, looked like he was really pressing in the false game. But you look at the stats, it does seem like the – he is reining it in as far as the aggression goes. Uh and I'm I'm pretty
2: well, excited and, to see that. And I definitely want to point out that when he goes to double A next year, there's gonna be some growing pains, no mm-hmm. no doubt about it, because that's where pitchers know how to how to spin breaking balls. Uh you know, they're they're gonna be able to set him up to, to chase outside. So don't panic at like don't even think about uh, trying to trying to bail on him if he gets off to a rough couple of months at double a because that's just kind of natural uh developmental path for a hitter like that i still still love the guy long term if he were to get off to like a great start at double a then i'd really have to start thinking about him as a top 15 top 10 type of guy that's interesting i also say plus almost plus plus swag too
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean you mentioned the locks but there's also a and that bat where he got rung out on a, a pitch that was high out of the zone. It was like a foot high. Yeah. And he just kind of <laughs> grabbed his junk and just didn't even look at the – or acknowledge the ump. Yeah. That was a pretty baller move. But like what I saw from the guy, he also, in the full starts game, when he, he struck out, he could so tell he wanted to just break a bat it, well, right in front did, of everybody. Then he did. Didn't, in yeah. In the dugout, Yeah. You, so. did you,
2: you heard that he actually he – he was, he was holding the bat in bat-breaking fashion <laughs> all the way to the dugout and into the dugout, and then apparently – yeah. Once he was off uh, the cameras he he snapped that puppy. Yeah, he just didn't want to appease that group of bros right. that were
1: sitting right behind yeah. home plate.
2: Yeah, there was uh, a, there was a flock of bros uh trying to root <laughs> on their their bro buddy who was on yeah. the mound in re- middle relief. Didn't wanna didn't wanna give them anything to cheer for, so waited
1: to get in the dugout before breaking that. I think it was kind of interesting there was you know of course given that these are two of the best position players out there, there's some uh comps going on some some debates as to who is the better player clint Frazier, austin meadows maybe there's some thought that meadows perhaps has a bit of a higher floor but do you see Frazier coming in and having a bigger impact uh not only arriving sooner but in fantasy is he the better fantasy guy
2: yeah i i don't really want to talk about meadows uh just yet because i got a piece coming up on him uh early next week but and we'll yeah. do a pod to go along with that. Definitely, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll do a pod next week on on Meadows and Raimel Tapia, and uh, you know whatever odds and ends happen in terms of prospects getting traded between now and then. But yeah, I, I think uh, Frazier easily higher higher ceiling than Meadows. Yet another guy who yeah we just
1: missed out on this. it's disappointing missing out on all these guys, but still uh, great seeing a lot of these. But J.P. Crawford of the Phillies, he was sent home. There were reports, and we even grabbed a note on the site, that it was a torn thumb ligament. This guy is one of the, the better shortstop prospects in terms of you know, defensively, at least, in the minor leagues. But there were some trips that maybe it wasn't actually a torn thumb ligament. Talked about you know, any concerns with Reyes' makeup, and we didn't really have any with the weed bust. But concerns about Crawford, maybe dogging it a little bit, maybe some immaturity issues. Does that bump him down in your mind?
2: So... You know, like, the Reyes thing, just in one ear, out the other for me, but uh, the Crawford one, it's definitely one to just kind of keep an eye on. It it, it is something, like, when I'm talking about makeup, I'm talking about a guy's effort, a guy's want and his desire and stuff like that, and, you know. character. Yeah, Yeah. well, character to a point. Like, I mean, if you're really good, you can be a pretty big a-hole, and and it doesn't matter, but uh, Crawford, a guy who I've kind of been – it's he's a tough guy to rank for for fantasy because i love his swing like it's probably one of my three or four favorite swings in the minor leagues but the counting stats are going to be tough for him to pile up at just at least the way i see it i don't i don't see uh 20 homers or 20 steals here so you know you're really going to be kind of relying on that batting average and you know he'll probably be a good source of runs based on where he'll be batting for the phillies but I'd, I'd take a guy like, you know, Orlando Garcia over him, uh, Trey Turner, just based on the, the speed and the proximity for, for Turner over, over, uh, Crawford. So, uh, I'd take a guy like Franklin Barreto over him for the upside. So, you know, I think he's maybe the, the fifth or sixth, just off the top of my head, fifth or sixth uh, t- shortstop for dynasty leagues right now.
1: And I, I agree with you. I, I traded him actually in a keeper league last year, Mainly because of the counting stats. I just don't think he's ever going to hit for enough power or steal enough bags to truly be mm-hmm. an elite and option. I mean, the the being a short helps, but I, even then I just don't really see him being like a top five
2: shorts. Yeah, and he's a great guy to try to move right now mm-hmm. in Dynasty Leagues because there's not going to be a, a set of rankings that comes out where he's not in the top ten. I I, I would at least imagine so. Just because he is a guy who is probably going to get some some sixes defensively so that's gonna keep him like in Keith Laws top 10 and you know Jim Callis is top 10 and and so on so the the perception out there might be that he is you know someone that's kind of along the lines of you know maybe if not a Correa then at least like a Lindor or, or Bogarts and that's that's really not quite the case I don't think I think Lindor would be kind of his ceiling
1: yeah I I so, yeah they probably would be the song I don't see him hitting that though because okay. uh I also not really buying into what Lindor did in 2015 right. over a full season but uh yeah I just think uh Crawford is a, a perfect guy to type of try to move right now cuz you get a, a pretty massive haul in keeper dynasty leagues moving on Brewers left-hander Josh Hader really really impressive to me uh, especially after the the day before You see so much hard contact given up in that game, but Hader was getting a ton of swings and misses throwing junk in the dirt and nobody could seem to pick him up easily. The best left-hander I saw, maybe the best, best pitcher either of us saw down there.
2: Yeah, he, me try to think. Yeah, he was, he was definitely the best pitcher I saw. Uh, he's actually got, he, he threw four more scoreless innings today, uh, AFL his ERA is 0.64 uh allowed 6 hits while striking out 18 and 14 innings so i mean tiny sample size but those are pretty kind of extreme numbers for him i really opened my eyes to to kind of i you know the the word on him when the brewers got him in the gomez deal was you know probably a number 3 starter you know mid rotation guy I kind of think he might be a number 2 if if everything works out for him <laughs> and he's a guy to kind of keep an eye on for possibly getting a getting a shot in the second half. I obviously I he's not going to start the year in the rotation. They have some kind of guys that are sort of taking up spots that they'd probably rather be in the the hands of some younger arms, but he's close to ready i i would say and definitely more impressive than the hauser who also came over in that deal uh we're, yeah, he was the guy who was giving up a ton of hard contact right. like I don't, I don't know if he got a swing and miss the entire game we saw he pitch. yeah he got like he got one maybe two swings and misses but they were from jd davis or uh yeah jd davis who was graciously swinging and everything so uh you know Hayter... I, I bumped him up. I, I'm not going to say exactly where I have him uh, just yet because it's kind of kind of fluid. But bumped him up about I don't know 30, 40 spots just based on you know what I was seeing in that outing and what and just kind of taking another look back at his numbers. Uh, his numbers when he came over to Milwaukee after that trade do kind of match the stuff that we were seeing out there in the yeah. AFL. So uh, really excited about this guy. If you can try to pry him loose you know, it's not going to be easy because I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people talking about him after what he did in Arizona, but definitely a guy to target because I think the, the floor is high and the, and the ceiling, I think people might under undersell the ceiling with him. We talked about some guys who left right before we got there. One guy who
1: arrived just before we got there, uh, Luis Ortiz of the Rangers. Uh, We saw him throw an inning for surprise in complete control, you know, be sure to check out James's article again. For you know, we're going to skip some of these guys, but I want to touch on Ortiz real quick. Uh, what kind of workload? I mean, you say that that's really, uh, you're only concerned with him. What kind of workload do you see him taking on, uh, this coming season?
2: If he stays healthy, which is a big if given his, his track record so far after being drafted, but if he stays healthy, I think, you know, 100 innings is probably going to be the, the cap they put on him. Uh, you just don't want to when you have an asset like ortiz you don't want to get kind of overzealous there i think he threw like 60 innings last year uh you know 100 seems like the the appropriate cap for for next year and then they could maybe kind of take the training wheels off a little bit in 2017 uh guy that you know it's easy for him in the sense that he was basically you know came into professional ball with two plus pitches but the the delivery it's kind of whippy and mm-hmm. uh you could kind of see where some of that that torque and that uh um, like maybe a pressure little arm on the, drag the arm maybe. and the, yeah the shoulder and the and the elbow like you could see where he could be a guy who could struggle with injuries so you know if if there were zero injury concerns with him he might be a guy knocking on the top you know 30 uh in terms of prospect rankings but you know i think he he's down probably outside the top 50 just because he is uh, a pretty risky option right now uh, we'll move on here
1: to rowdy Telez who uh you know again we sat down field level for a couple games and uh dwarfing guys then adam brett walker comes up to him and he's you know kind of dwarfing Telez, which is insane but Telez, big guy big bat uh you know maybe there's some people who think oh perhaps you know that not really a spot for him uh maybe there isn't for a while yet but as you point out in your article, Edwin Encarnacion, a free agent after next season. Do you think he slots in 2017, uh, maybe even at the start of the year, and instantly is a pretty big fantasy
2: contributor? Well, I don't know about you. Uh, Telez was the most impressive hitter I saw down yeah. there. Uh, yeah, I
3: that, would agree. That, that yeah.
2: probably speaks a bit more to the lack of excellent options mm-hmm. to, to choose from there, but you know, he, he definitely is a guy who uh not going to be up this year obviously they don't they don't need him but I, I do think his timetable does kind of line up perfectly for them to to let Encarnacion walk and you don't want to pay E5 you know at this stage in his career anyway someone someone's going to give him a huge deal and uh, they're not gonna get in on that but yeah I think telez you know Jim Callis threw out uh 30 homers uh for for him I'm as like a ceiling, I, I do think that's kind of an aggressive ceiling. I, I don't think it's going to be quite that uh, intense in terms of power production. I would say maybe more twenty to twenty five, but I like the batting average potential a lot. Like I, I think yeah. you could see a handful of of two ninety plus seasons and hitting in that ballpark. Uh, there's going to be a lot of runs to drive in.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because while Adam Brett Walker, another you know power guy, he's kind of on the other side when it comes to approach Mm -hmm. I think Telez has a pretty sound approach Uh, in that left-handed power you know Adam Brett Walker I don't really think is even close to Telez. I mean
2: for talking power sure but in terms of prospects Uh, I think Tellez is a lot safer yeah Yeah. let's talk about Walker he he's a he's a specimen yeah we actually we were kind of searching for a baseball comp for him uh, when we were sitting in the stands because I've honestly never you know I've been behind the plate uh, and seen Ryan Howard up close and like you know he was impressive physically in just in terms of size but Walker just filled out the uniform like he yeah. he looked like a legit athlete and the then the cop we came up with uh, at the bar on Sunday was Cam Newton yeah, like he I he, couldn't think of a baseball cop yeah, but that's a perfect he he has the body of Cam Newton and that's that's pretty crazy to think <laughs> about and of course, he swings and misses at at everything. It's it's he either a homer a or a whiff, you know. Yeah. And and he was basically up there guessing. Like it wasn't, it, it wasn't like he was just chasing stuff away. Like he just went up there completely guessing. Mm-hmm. You know, there'd be times when he was just way late, way early. Uh, so it, it's. It, you can't erase a guy like that from your mind in dynasty leagues because he does have really intense power, but it's also extremely risky. And, and not risky because you're not going to have to invest in him, but it, extremely unlikely that he ever comes close to that ceiling. So yeah, probably the most power in the minors other than Gallo, but Gallo is as risky as Gallo is Gallo a lot a lot safer option there. Yeah, I think
1: expecting him to ever be uh, a, uh, well, maybe maybe he makes the major leagues, but uh, an everyday regular. I just don't see it from what I saw because, as you mentioned, the guessing. If you're unable to even you know make have that hand-eye coordination to pick the ball up off the pitcher's hand, and, and you know determine what a pitch is as it's being thrown to you, you have to guess. Especially at that stage, all the power in the world. If you can't hit a breaking ball. Or even pick up pitch type, I just don't think you're well, ever gonna have a lot of
2: success. The the one thing another another small thing to say in his favor, there there was some people kinda of making the you know, I think it's kind of a lazy comp comparing him to Chris Carter. Uh he's not that I don't really see that because he can play a corner spot in the outfield and he's got a little speed. We saw him steal a yep. base. He stole, I think, ten or twelve steals in the minors last year, so not a not a guy like Chris Carter in terms of just player type. I mean they they have similar issues with the swing and miss and with the the massive power but uh not not similar players other than that. Guy who I really thought looked good in the fall league, or the fall stars
1: game, Sean Manaya, of course the starter in that game and you know we we're talking to uh, some people and scouts in particular, who really, I was just a little shocked to hear just how low they were on this guy. Um, now, some people, you know, there's some things with the mechanics that are decent. The the delivery is pretty balanced, but it just seems like there's just a lot of concerns about, well, not only injuries, but just his ability to maintain his, his velocity through, you know, after one or two innings. Did you sour on this guy at all, just seeing him
2: or, and hearing what
1: the scouts had to say?
2: Yes, yes and no. Uh, I think it's definitely worth pointing out that there is a kind of a growing majority that, that sort of think Mania has a high likelihood of ending up in a bullpen. The thing is, you know, people were... You know, basically, the main argument I was hearing for why he was probably going to be a reliever is that he can't hold his his velocity late into games, and that obviously didn't show up in the Fall Stars game. He threw two innings and was kind of electric, in, in that outing. But uh, I'm I'm not willing to say that a guy who, you know, some scouts have seen not hold velocity when they when they've watched him pitch is just never going to be able to hold velocity mm-hmm. like that. That to me seems like something where, uh, you know, the right kind of program, uh, could kind of build up that, that ability. And this has been an issue with Minaya dating back to, you know, ever since he got into pro ball where there'd be times when scouts would see him sit like 89, 90. And then a couple months later he was 94, 95. Like his, his velocity has been kind of all over the place. And, there's tons of uh, examples sort of throughout baseball history where guys have had velo dips and spikes as they're kind of in that developmental process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Madison Bumgarner was a guy who had a huge velo dip and nobody could really figure it out uh, back when he was still a prospect. And then, obviously, he was able to kind of get it all together. So I don't want to write Mania off as a as a starter, but he definitely comes with more risk than your typical – uh, starting pitcher prospect who's this close to the big leagues yeah
1: and the inability to hold velocity through uh you know after one or two innings was the main knock but also some concerns about the slider change up not being that great also uh, some knocks on his athleticism i didn't really get a great read on that because you, you look at the guy he seems to be moving fairly well and again just the ability to repeat the delivery i think maybe uh the, the people were talked to underselling his athleticism
2: a little bit, I don't think he's a terrible athlete, but right. He, I think a lot of these issues are they all fall under the category of fixable uh, correctable issues and uh, you know you take a six five guy that could potentially sit ninety four with i i i I'm a bit higher on the the secondaries than than some of those guys were, but you know there's still a lot of upside here if if he's able to put it all together and you know it's just a big kind of risk reward situation with manaire right now if you're if you're risk averse especially when it comes to pitching prospects moving him now might be might be the optimal move i think a lot of people at that conference would probably be looking to move him right now just based on what we heard but uh if if someone's willing to dump him off on you for uh, someone who's who's kind of a fringe top 100 prospect, I'd, I'd still jump at that. You know, when I'm a Reds fan, as many
1: listeners probably know, when the Reds traded f- traded Johnny Cueto and didn't get Mania back, I was a little disappointed. I was hoping they'd get Mania. Now, you know, looking at the the three Reds pitching prospects they got, Cody Reed, uh, John Lamb, and Brandon Finnegan, all, all pretty nice. W- where does Mania kind of fit in with the, those three
2: prospects? Uh... Do you think he's. I I think. I think he's kind of right there with Lamb Mm -hmm. to me. Uh, I'd take him slightly ahead of Reed, and I might take Finnegan just a a notch maybe ahead of all those guys. But I think he's. Maniah Lamb and Finnegan are all really close to me. I think it. You know, I think you, you you the Reds did fine in that haul that there. I you know, the I think it probably just came down to what their scouts were saying about Mania. You mm-hmm. know, I think if they wanted Mania, they probably could have had him as part of that deal as as we saw with Oakland grabbing him for Zobris there, but uh, their scouts might have been at one of those games when he just really wasn't looking that sharp and yeah. wasn't holding velocity, so I, I definitely understand it. Yeah, but, and there's also I
1: remember before that trade actually happened. Uh, there was kind of a stop and start with that trade,
2: and there was I think it was over medicals, but mm. maybe it was uh, just over and, the scouting report on Mania. And Mania has more stuff in his medical history than yeah. than uh, any of those guys except for Lamb. And Finnegan, the, the main thing that worries me with him is, you know, he's obviously undersized, everybody knows that, but he... I just hate it when guys get jerked around the way that he did by the Royals. And to me, there's no injury there, but it's it's semi-damaged goods at that point. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that with guys who are just jerked from starter to reliever, starter to reliever. I, I really don't like it for, for a pitcher's development. And uh, it's nice to know that like you can always fall back and, and he can be like a, a solid uh, late inning reliever for you, but I, I really do kind of worry about his ability to to make it as a starter with all the the jerking around the Royals did before shipping him off.
1: That's very interesting. Uh, we'll skip down a couple players. I have to ask you about Luke Weaver because we saw him in probably the best pitching matchup we saw uh, of the of the week. Which,
2: well, we were we thought we were we were a tiny bit late to that game. Yeah, missed. Um, and it, it, I I kind of am I'm, I'm okay with it because we went to uh casella's got us some <laughs> delicious uh italian uh hoagies and those were those were great uh those were 70 i'd say yeah yeah i i, got, I went meatball you went uh hot the, italian b- beef. hot italian beef yeah that that was that was pretty good uh and then they let us bring them into the park which was even better so we got to eat them while watching weaver and, and treviso toss weaver you know bernie Bernie Pleska, who. You, probably know if you listen to the short hops podcast Derek Van Riper he's a former scout that's Weaver's Bernie's guy like he that's what he told me he's like this is my guy and I was like all right I I can I can dig that I mean he's sort of your typical uh, Cardinals kind of mid-rotation starter reminds me a lot of you know Marco Gonzalez just because uh, the change up is is kind of the bread and butter pitch with him Uh, so yeah I, I think he's you know future mid rotation guy fairly safe uh, got to develop that third pitch a little bit more but uh he he's he's the guy that I could definitely understand why why you could see him and kind of fall in love it's a, it's pretty smooth athletic delivery yeah i
1: remember i it was like so so what is what's the deal with this guy luke weaver and burnett just Oh, I just wrote up my scouting report uh read it so I read it on mlb.com and it really was kind of gushing uh, over the kid It said he's you know number 3 possibly and I you know watching him pitch I could see it doesn't really have a breaking pitch but the changeup I think he can get by uh, kind of without that and it looks good on the mound uh, uh, maybe a uh, number 3 is is the ceiling but I still think the Cardinals you know given their track record uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they squeezed a little more out of out of his potential and he became something uh, even better. But, yeah, it was, it was disappointing not seeing Bundy in that game. He, he wasn't expected to start, but then last minute he was thrown in, uh, and now he was, he's shut down entirely. Apparently, uh, I think it was a forearm, a muscle strain in his forearm. Just did a note on him yesterday for the site, and uh, pretty disconcerting, especially given that he, he's going to have to be on the roster next year or I guess on the DL, but... Is he somebody, I know we've talked about him before, that really is just kind of hands-off for you at this point, given the track record?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I think there would have been some reason for, for optimism, and he, he might have been labeled as a, a sleeper had he made it through the fall league and, and been impressive and, and gotten through unscathed health-wise. The fact that he couldn't even make it through the fall league suggests to me that he's going to start the year on the DL for them, and, they don't have any options left it's just it's gonna be so hard for him to make it at this Mm -hmm. point just with all the the fact that he can't just chill in the minors for another year or two the fact that his just can't stay healthy probably gonna fall off my top 200 yeah that's a shame especially just given
1: the upside when he came in but at this point with the injuries of course already had tommy john once and now I mean, I think this was kind of flying underwriter that it was a strain. Mm -hmm. Of course, strain means Uh, tear. UCL wasn't mentioned, but anytime you have forearm strain, uh, definitely something to be concerned with. Moving on, Gary Gary Sanchez of the Yankees, big boy homer in the Fall Stars game. Impressive. And, of course, yesterday's trade of John Ryan Murphy really kind of opened things up for him. Do you see him being on the Major League roster uh, pretty early in 2016?
2: Yeah, he was he was pretty, pretty damn impressive. Help help Paul Spore uh, collect on uh, that that little wager game we had going there. Paul uh, Stars. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think he starts in Triple A, assuming that the Yankees are kind of done making moves that would affect Sanchez. Just because I, I think it makes more sense for him to get every day at bats than be the the backup for McCann, who obviously. Uh, deserves to be playing, you know, five days a week. So, Sanchez might start the year in AAA, but you got to look at him as the number two catcher on the organizational depth chart. There, so if anything happens to McCann, or, you know, misses time, which certainly could happen given his age and and how many innings he's caught, Sanchez immediately becomes kind of interesting in all formats because it's twenty plus homer power. Yeah, I, I think the the batting average should kind of be pretty stable in the, the 250, 260 range. So, you know, in that park, that could be pretty pretty useful in all formats.
1: I want to get to one more guy before we end this show. I think maybe we should do another one looking at the back half of this. Sure. And then the uh, Tapia, and who is the other player you're going to profile? Meadows. Meadows, yep. So a lot to still get to, but there's one guy I want to touch on before you get out of here, James. Chad Pinder, you know, he's, and I heard Derek Van Riper say that you know, he's he's going to be their shortstop before the end of the year. I can certainly see that. Don't think Semyon is long for the job. I'd love to see him move to, to second base because I think he can hit. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe in his bat, but definitely not a, an everyday shortstop. Did show some improvements late in the year, but I just don't see it. Uh, but you, you mentioned Franklin Barreto earlier, and we, we've kind of both kind of come to this conclusion that we really kind of think Oakland is going to be pretty aggressive with a guy like Barreto. I think he pretty clearly has the higher offensive ceiling, but what's the ceiling offensively for, for Chad Pinder?
2: Uh it's it's just kind of like middling, uh shortstop, you know, for fantasy, like fifteen homers, two seventy five average. If it, you know, that's kinda like a, a good case scenario for him. Uh definitely think he'll get a shot before Barreto gets a shot. But it's impossible to really predict what the A's are going to do because you know the A's are going to shuffle some stuff around, and you know who knows if Semyon's going to be on the roster. Who knows if Pinder and Barreto are still going to be on the roster? I, I think yeah. Beretta is the guy who, if we're just looking at like the prospect rankings and trying to figure out, well, you know we know Seeger, Buxton, you know, uh, Mazzara, Reed. We know these guys are going to be up. So they're going to get drafted in a lot of deep single-season leagues. Barreto is probably the guy I'm looking at as, uh, you know, might throw Luis Brinson in that that conversation too, as just a guy who nobody's going to expect to be impactful in 2016. And if he gets off, you know, if Barreto kind of does his version of what Correa did last year in the minor leagues, the A's are definitely going to bump him up. So uh, definitely got to kind of keep an eye on. I don't think you got to draft him. I don't think, anybody really has to draft him no matter what format you're in, but definitely someone that could get up. Pinder, the the upside just is really kind of a couple notches below Barretto's, so mm-hmm. you probably don't even need to draft him either. Uh, not going to be on the opening day roster, probably not going to be up until till June or July, so the upside really isn't there in the bat to to stash him for that long, but uh, got to keep on watch list for sure.
1: Yeah, and you know Barretto – I think a wrist injury ended his season prematurely. But what he was doing at at High A, at that position as a nineteen year old, I think before that injury occurred, was really pretty amazing. And and I think uh, we were talking to Bernie Pleskov about him, and he really did agree that the A's are going to be aggressive with him because you know some of the some of the pitchers they got in that deal didn't
2: really pan out. They really need to kind of find out what they have in Barreto in and a Hurry. And the one position I think. That we sort of saw last year, guys will get rushed by teams when the option at the big league level is terrible. <laughs> uh, so, Barretto could very easily be the best big league, the best option for the big league shortstop job in short order. So, that could help him. I mean, if he was like, you know, left fielder or something like that, it's a lot easier to let a guy like that stay in the minor leagues and, and continue to get reps and develop because you probably have other comparable options. At shortstop, you may not have that. What's the upside of
1: Beretto? 20 homers in a season? 270,
2: 280? I mean... Because uh, at
1: shortstop, that'd be highly highly valuable, especially given the state, of the position right now.
2: I think he might have... He might have 25 homer upside. Nice. Uh, the speed is it's not it's not nothing you know i think if you get a guy <laughs> if you get a guy that could hit i think he could go 25 25 maybe i mean wow. I, I don't think that that's too insane you know stole 29 bags in 73 games two years ago so wasn't running a ton last year was was kind of banged up but it's potentially five category production so really it's yeah i'm just he's a guy that i between now and when that list comes out for the mag, I might get sort of, you know, un, uh, un. I mean, just way too high on him. I, I gotta yeah. gotta calm down a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm definitely high on him. Own him in both staff
1: keeper leagues, and I, I'm hoping they get him up sooner rather than later. But that'll do it for this episode of the Rotorwire Wire Prospect Podcast. Not gonna grade out a hip hop group this week, but we will next week. We'll be back with. uh James, talking more about his takes uh, from the Arizona Fall League. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. We'll see you guys.
0: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.